<laughs> a lot of pressure, man. Yeah, it is. Evil. The evil. Not our real names. Nailed it. some good things i you found know. some good things i i'm gonna blow your mind i'm gonna blow your mind again i got a fact that's gonna blow your mind that's oh a little, you little weird i wonder if it's the same fact it's impossible to be the same fact okay you were in this movie <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the mixed streaker <laughs> all right are we are we wait is are it, we are we live is this thing on is this i got my uniform on hey Everybody, hello friends, and welcome to A Little Independent, the podcast where two friends talk about independent, obscure, just plain weird movies. My name's Ryan. And I'm Todd. Hi, Todd. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm, I am fully vaccinated, You're vaccinated, Ryan. and uh, you're not Number about two to yesterday. fall asleep uh, or, or hit your head on the table. You're okay? No, I have a passport now. A passport? Vaccine, yeah, it won't let me get into Canada, but... You got to get a passport. It's there. It is. <laughs> All right, <laughs> little, little prequel. So what's to come. I'm glad that you you feel okay. I was worried that like you know you'd have to slog through this and this would not be fun. Oh well, it's gonna be you know it's gonna be interesting. It's, it's gonna been, be what it is. Yeah, a yeah. little little bit of a headache, but I popped a couple. You of look aspirin. good. You look like yourself. You're svelte. You're you're glowing. I'm glowing. Yeah, but I I got to start this kind of on a bummer. Uh oh. Because Charles Grodin died today. Oh, no shit. Yeah. He was 86. Um, he had cancer. I didn't actually didn't know that. So, you know, I'm not the best with the names all the time. And to make sure I'm picturing, so 76 Kong, King Kong? Well, that's what I was going to say. This guy is in one of your favorite movies. Okay. <laughs> I just spoiled it a little bit then no 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 i not at all i i was i was just thinking about i was making sure that was him the stuff that he's in and and he's kind of known as a support actor in a lot of things but he was the lead in more stuff that you probably don't realize but he's in so many things and anytime that dude shows up it's like elevated yeah he brings it and it's ironic like two or three weeks ago jess and i watched midnight run in yep. honor of Yafet Kodo, who passed away. And Charles Grodin is so fucking good in Midnight Run. So what are you going to watch <laughs> in honor of Grodin? I'm probably going to watch, we're probably going to watch Clifford, uh, where Martin Short stars <laughs> as a 10-year-old boy. I lost that bet. <laughs> or Beethoven. <laughs> it's got to have know. a dog. Not a not a fifty foot giant ape. Well, I was thinking, you know, I had one movie set for next week, but maybe I'll pick... You know, an indie Charles Grodin movie that we can do. Because oh. uh, there's some older stuff that I remember seeing a long time ago. There's one movie I, at spring break, spring something, and I think it's terrible. But it may be terrible in the best way. So there is a movie, Spring Break from 84. That's John Candy. Which, no, no. This is a small little Does it star quirky... Charles Grodin? No. The guy who takes no, but it is family. called Spring Break that I watched in college religiously. Over and over again. So it's set in Lauderdale. Is it at like an all-inclusive resort that's crappy? Nope. Okay. This is not this movie. But 
I don't know. It may be fun to find something that he's in that's independent. Because there, there's something, it's like, what's the John Candy movie? Summer Rental. Yeah. So John Candy with, takes his family. Yeah. No, that's the great outdoors. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I am, I am a little loopy. Charles today. <laughs> Grodin is in the couch trip with Dan Aykroyd and Walter Matthau. No, I, I was I was thinking of the great outdoors. You're right. Bo, 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 boom. Bear, so big I, bear. I, I, big bear chase me. I, I'm, I'm bummed uh, that Charles Grodin has passed. I mean, I know he lived a long life. I, and I go back to so I married an axe murder, and he's in it just for a second. Really? But it's not. It's, it's not coming to mind when Joe Lapaglia, Anthony Lapaglia, is is the the cop who wants to blow stuff up. And he follows Mike Myers to this place where he's realized that that the wife could be an axe murder. And he's at the airport after Stephen Wright flies him in the plane, which is hysterical as well. <laughs> but but Anthony Napaglia tries to commandeer Charles Grodin's car, remember? And he's like, sir, I need this vehicle. And Charles Grodin just looks at him and he goes, no. <laughs> in only the way Charles Grodin can. And he's like, sir, this is an emergency. I need your car. No. Right. And that's Michael Myers, Mike Myers. brother. That's asking who's the cop, right? Who's trying to commandeer the car? I think the they're car. just best friends. They're friends, but he's trying to commandeer the car, and then it's clear that Charles Grodin's character decided to give him a ride. Oh, <laughs> it's just I, so funny, I, Dave. Oh God, he's so good in that. Anyway, so respect to Charles Grodin. Uh, sorry to those who survive him, but on to brighter subjects this is your movie this week yes talk so, to us about your movie buddy we tried to do it a couple weeks ago and i watched it on youtube and then it was gone and then lo and behold amazon picked it up so it's the 20th anniversary um 2001 sundance was it a special edition this particular version no oh this is I, the 20th anniversary i just kind of threw that out there it's been 20 years what's well, ironic that you wanted to do a movie with a title that is a state, and you picked Happy Texas instead, which was a movie with yeah. a state in the title. Well, my last two movies now have you been are, are, a you're city. You're themed, man. That's I, I, how, how I lay it down. Texas <laughs> is a state, though. Happy Texas. Oh, have, it Scotland, is a city. PA. Yeah. <laughs> it's even awesomer than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Now you're putting it together. Back to back. <laughs> back to Was not planned. So, Other than I wanted to do Scotland and then switch to Happy. We're doing the 2001 film Scotland, PA. Yeah. So I learned about this way back in the day again, you know, when I had the movie magazines, you know, coming in. And really? that's where I read about it. And I, I actually owned the VHS of this. The VHS? Now, I did. Used I to. remember the cover back in the video store, the spatula yeah, with the blood the, on with it. With the blood, yep. But I didn't know that it was a Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah, and I actually watched Macbeth today with Fast Bind, Fastbender. With Fastbender. And my French girl, Marion. I don't know how Qatar? to say her last name. I don't. Yeah. 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 I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to piss off the French. She's the villain in The Dark Knight Rises. She is Spoiler. Macbeth. That's interesting. And what's what's funny about this for us is for another podcast we listened to about bad movies. We just watched Love's Labor's Lost oh. with Kenneth Branagh and one of the killers from Scream and Alicia Silverstone, and it's a real piece of shit. 
What year? Um, that's a good question. Well, like it ten was years after, old. After after Brana did his big one, didn't he do a four hour Macbeth? Kenneth Branagh fancied himself as like the Shakespeare revivalist, and he was. But then he does Love's Labor's Lost, which is one of Shakespeare's worst comedies. And this movie is terrible. Oh. And it's not an adaptation. And it's, I, I don't love Shakespearean language on film. Yeah, I get it, and I respect it. And he's like our greatest poet. But it's kind of tedious for me. Well, the Fassbender. I think it's 2016 or whatever it was, is, yeah. was brilliant. The the acting, those two just killed it. And so for people, so this this movie, I'll do the film description. <clears throat> a, modernized, a modernized retelling of Macbeth set in 1970s suburban Pennsylvania. Joe Macbeth, an unambitious hamburger stand employee, is driven to success by his scheming wife. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly the plot it. of Macbeth. Yeah. And so for listeners who are Shakespeare fans, I think... Todd and I are going to have a pretty good notion of how this ties to Macbeth, because I think there's awesome ways that this movie, Scotland PA, ties to Macbeth. Yeah, and I, and I had to watch Macbeth because I've never read it. I wasn't familiar oh, okay. with Shakespeare stuff. So you when I did saw the that, work, I put for in, this podcast. I put in. I and it wasn't work. It was. Does Fassbender show his giant dong in that movie? Excuse me. Oh, you know that that guy's got like a, a like a tree in his pants. So if he's next to Liam, who yeah, wins? the two of them. I, I don't know. I think the universe would explode. The swords, or every woman in proximity would get pregnant. Pro- <laughs> you can't get ten feet with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it is billed as a comedy crime, dark comedy. I oh, they Jesus. call it black comedy in the interview. I forget how dark this movie is. I, I yeah. saw well, this a long time ago. Yeah, they they call it a tragedy for a reason. Well, yeah, it is, and, and Macbeth is a tragedy. Um, but the 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 stars of this movie and the lead of this movie, <laughs> James Legros. So, what do you know him from? You know, I saw he was in a shitload of movies, 50, 70, I forget what it was. I looked it up a while back, um, but I don't remember. You know what they were. She, I just, he, he doesn't is, stand out to me at all. He's an 80s staple. He was a dickhead in every 80s movie that he was in. Oh. He was in the Mel Brooks produced Solar Babies. Okay. Which I unashamedly love. He's in Drugstore Cowboy, Point Break. The first Point Break? Yeah, the original Point, the only Point Break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's in Singles. Um, he's in a movie you and I both love. He's an enemy of the state. He's got a small role in that. Okay. But for horror fans, James Legros has a low point in horror history in that he takes over as the lead character of Mike in Phantasm 2. Now, the lead actor, the kid in, in Phantasm, doesn't repeat. James Legros, admittedly, and I don't know the story, but maybe he's more famous, in Phantasm 2, which also stars Samantha Phillips who is best known to us as Samantha Max in the Dallas Connection. So, Todd, did you know that Scotland PA has not one, <laughs> but two ties to Andy Sedaris? Your thoughts? Oh, well, you said you were going to blow my mind. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. This Samantha, has two so connections to Andy Help Sedaris. me with Samantha. Samantha Max is is the lady I like a lot. Cobra? Nope, she's it, the Dallas. She's the lead in the Dallas Connection. It's the foot scene at the dinner oh, table. Oh, the feet on the table. Yeah, so that's yeah. she stars in Phantasm Two. Um, so James Legros is eighties and nineties like superhero, 
And I am putting it down and saying he was awesome in this movie. <laughs> he was really good. In our movie, in yeah, Scotland, in Scotland VA. VA. There, there were so many gems in this. Yeah. Acting wise. Yeah. I mean, did you, how many times do you guys laugh out loud? Well, a lot, but it's people who aren't huge and who are character actors. And so second build is Moira Tierney, who plays, did I say James LeGroix plays Joe Mac Macbeth? Moira Tierney plays his wife, Pat Macbeth. Yeah. So what, is there a movie you know her from? Uh, this was the first movie I ever saw her in way back when I, but anything else stick out? Well, I just one know movie she's for in, sure sticks out. I know she's me. in ER, which I, uh, oh. I never follow. Cause she, an interview, she missed the opening at Sundance because she had to be on set for ER. Really? Yeah. And her husband is the writer director. Is the writer or was, um, I know her best oh, from liar, liar. When you say was, we should say they divorced in 06 and not that he, he's still with us. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Are you stalking Moira Tierney? Oh, you, well, you just wait. I got to buy. I just discovered a, a Wikipedia. Okay. Should we drop it right now? Yeah, let's drop it right now. Let me pull this up. All right. So here she is. So this is this is in, impossible. Her birthday is February third, nineteen sixty-five. My father's birthday is February third. Two girls from high school that I dated, both one in high school and one <laughs> ten years ago. So a number of years after high school, both of them, February 3rd birthdays. And when I pulled wow. this up and saw February 3rd, I about jumped out of my seat. And then the next line says she's divorced. So yeah, there you go. On the market, buddy. I have a, I have a tie to her birthday. So I, I remember her first from Liar Liar. She's oh. the mom of the kid in Liar Liar. <laughs> I forgot about that. And yeah. she's in Primal Fear. Those were the two things that I identified, like, right away. Moira Tierney, I know her name in those movies. But interestingly enough, in 1990, uh, she was in a movie called Dead Women in Lingerie with, with Jerry Orbach. 1990? And in 1991, she followed that up with The Linguini Incident, starring David Bowie. <laughs> wow. So this is 10 years before this movie. Yeah, she's in a movie with, with Baby's dad from uh, Dirty Dancing and then follows it up with a movie starring David Bowie. Weird, weird, weird. Yeah, she got um, a lot of TV stuff. Third build, Christopher motherfucking Walken. Let's hear it. As Lieutenant McDuff. Guys, <laughs> he, I mean, what do you say about Christopher Walken? He's just the best. And yeah. He's in some real trash, but this, you know, we talk about, you know, my love of Nicolas Cage, and I, I, I say Maximum Cage when he's like his most bonkers. Yeah, yeah. I think this is close to Maximum Walking. He did a lot of, and I read this years ago, so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but I remember he did a lot of improvising, and he made the statement to the director that, you know, movies are put together, you know, in the, in the edit room. And so I do remember that the maracas scene, you know, I used to be a dancer. Yeah, and he did. He, he was a professional uh, dancer. Well, I, that was all improvised, I think, because the maracas were sitting there or something. Yeah. And yeah. he just did that. Yeah, he, if you know anything about him, he is an accomplished dancer. Unbelievable. Uh, but he plays Lieutenant McDuff. Again, another great name connection to, to Macbeth. Yeah. Then you've got a guy who I love, Kevin Corrigan, who plays Banco, Anthony Banco Banconi. <laughs> do you know him from anything? No. Um, he, again, character, I think he's been in like 180 things best known probably for the TV show freaks and geeks. Okay. Um, but he's been in 
Bad Boys, Pineapple Express. He's in Unstoppable, that movie I like with Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. Um, but a movie I recommend you watch, and maybe we'll do it on this podcast someday down the line. He's in a movie called Some Guy Who Kills People. And that's literally what he is. And it's super funny. And it's him? Yeah. It's super funny. Oh, and yeah. So he's a goofball in this movie, but can oh. you see how he could be really scary as shit? Yeah. The blank stare, the deadpan. Exactly. I mean, he, exactly. Just, he just stares like there's nothing yeah. there. He it's is just... a scary motherfucker yeah. in some movies. Yeah. That, that scene where he, he challenges him to like, you know, why didn't you tell me about the drive through yeah. idea? And he just stares for that long, long beat. That right there, you're like, oh, serial killer. This is a director using <laughs> Kevin Corrigan appropriately. Yeah even though it's a, a corny character. Then we got uh, James Rebhorn, who plays Norm Duncan, who is character actor. Extra- this is the most character actor of all time, this guy. The dad. The, the, yeah. Dunk- yeah. But don't you love how they use Dunkin' Donuts? Well, I mean, Duncan in, in is this? the name of the king in, in Macbeth. Right, but how, they, how he translated the Dunkin' Donuts Duncan's, into the movie. Yeah. He's selling his donut shops. I mean... Independence Day, Son of a Woman, he's in Basic Instinct, My Cousin Vinny, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. I mean, this guy is in every – if you look at his, his – his, like he's a guy that if you don't know what to watch, go to his IMDb page, just scroll down and pick one random movie and watch it. Oh, that's brilliant. And my favorite movie I think that he's in, and he's great in it, is The Game with Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. Yeah. He's been in so many. I just yeah. So yeah. I we do that. It's called the character actor game. So we'll pick a character actor like like you know James Remar or something, uh-huh. and just go to their IMDb page, scroll down, and the first thing we point out, we watch. <laughs> of course, he loves football. Every young man <laughs> loves football. Every every young man loves football. Uh, written directed by Billy Morissette, uh, who's credited in the movie as Man Walking Dog. So he's the guy walking the dog in the beginning scene. Oh. Yeah. Um, and this is the only movie he directed. Uh, but he also wrote a movie called My Dead Boyfriend, starring Heather Graham and directed by Anthony Edwards. Wow. Of Goose fame. Uh, but he's been an actor in a bunch of stuff. He was in Pump Up the Volume, Vegas Vacation, and Ghoulies Go to College, Ghoulies 3, starring Hope Marie Carlton. Bam. Second Sedaris connection. Yeah. To Scotland, PA. Wow, and and I knew neither I, the, of them. The 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 light on your face right now. <laughs> it's why I live, everybody. Woo! You guys. Yeah. So, yeah, the Sedaris. When we do, you know that when we do that film. Uh, well, we're going to do some type gonna, of. Who knows what we're going to do? We might do all twelve. But if you know anything about us, we love Andy Sedaris, and there's two connections here. Tagline. There's two of them. Do you know them? Or you you don't like to look at them? No, I like to hear them from all you. All right. <laughs> what if the Macbeths were alive in 75? I did hear that one. Yeah. But the one on the poster, my favorite, is Greasy Spoon, Bloody Murder. <laughs> Which I'm on record for saying I wish there was more Greasy Spoon food. Like, I wanted to see hamburgers and cheeseburgers so bad. Like, watching it last night, I wanted to be hungry for a cheeseburger and be like, I'm going to Burger King. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. Are they open? But <laughs> it's two AM. Are they open? <laughs> uh the movie is one hour and forty four minutes. I didn't find budget info. Did you find budget info? No. I remember it was shot on back back at, at this time everybody was using those, you know, were recorded on the tape and then they had to have it 
done to 35. Oh, I forget the name of the tape, though. It was a, like a mini form of a tape on a nice lensed camera. Sony made one and Panasonic made one. Yeah. And, but if you and, know what it is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, email us at a little independent podcast at gmail.com. Set up in spike. Again, we're lovers of these movies. We're not experts. Uh, opening weekend, $43,336. Worldwide gross, $384,098. So not a good haul, but it's, I, I mean, maybe this this director never worked again. <laughs> so maybe yeah, uh, more, it was a problem. Morty took on her character a little I, too much and got I, rid of him. I bet it was too dark. I bet... Um, I love the movie for, but I, I did not remember it being this dark. Well, back then this was probably a very limited, limited release. Yeah, and then they it has to do so much to get. And what month in two thousand? Like, what was it around nine eleven that this came out? You know what I mean? Like two thousand one was a rough year at the latter half for movies. So yeah, well, Sundance is in January, so somebody had to pick it up, and then it had yeah. to be distributed so it may have so, come out late in the in the year and it wasn't really or yeah, you know, it's hard to say nobody wanted that um i noted a couple of nominations it was nominated and this is funny because we talked about this in the in a world episode uh that this is a real thing it was nominated for a golden trailer award award for best voiceover a word what did i just say i'm well, having it's a, a voiceover you know a word best voiceover huh was there voiceover in the movie well, kind of. Amy Smart had a had a nice demonic voice. Yeah, that was fun. Her. <laughs> uh, and it was a nominee for Grand Jury Prize at Sundance for Best Dramatic Film. An- another comedy we've done that was nominated as Best Dramatic Film at Sundance. Dun, Interesting. Dun, dun. And uh, I-, I noted a couple of facts. Uh, an actual Halifax strip club, now closed, served as location for both the Scotland Tavern scenes and the Atlantic City strip club scene. <laughs> you know... This is this is weird, but when that scene popped on, you know, when he was going to catch up with, you know, to do interview him, yeah, in Atlantic C, yeah, and the band's playing, and then uh, the girl had a bikini on, but it's clearly a yeah. strip club because there's a pole there, and I'm like, I have done hundreds and hundreds of gigs and bars and cover gigs and never played a strip club. Really, I haven't either. And I just thought that was odd. I'm like, was that a thing in the 70s? I, I got it into it, well, it in the 80s. It, it's a problem because Malcolm, the son of of um, Norm, is a high schooler. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to Malcolm and Donald and yeah. the whole thing. But the movie, I think, um, if you know that this is going to be a Shakespearean play, I, I, I guess you're ready for anything. You know what I mean? It's an adaptation. So I wasn't looking for for Macbeth stuff but it opens in an abandoned theme park and he meets the witches essentially from Macbeth who are three stoners yeah the in the uh closed caption they were called hippies yes they were and Amy Smart uh spoiler Amy Smart is in this I think was uh billed as hippie number one Stacy and does get a name I found in in some things but my favorite quote in that opening scene from I, I love hippie jargon when they're just talking amongst themselves. But I heard who dropped the chicken. <laughs> yeah, those two guys, Andy Dick and the that other guy. Yeah, it, they, poor they, other guy who gives a fuck what he, yeah, his what? name is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those two played off of each other. Great. It's, you it know, hilarious. Andy Dick is an acquired taste, and I, 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 I apparently is a weirdo in real life. 
but I did not mind him in this. I thought the witches or the the hippies, sorry, were great. Yeah, they weren't overused, and their scenes were effective. It was comic relief too. I mean, but also was... creepy as hell in yeah. some port in Back. some points. Back. But I'm Sweet. wondering. It starts with it with with Matt going into you know to talk to the to the hippies, and then it goes into an opening which is a totally different movie, a black and white movie, starring Eddie Albert from Green Acres. What that was, was that? That was a TV show, McClintock. It was a cop show back in the seventies. So why was that the opening of this movie? Because it because the director <laughs> liked it, but that they use it again later when you. Have I know, the, but it was used. It wasn't used cop. like somebody's watching the show. It was used yeah. as they in put, the movie. They showed the credits over it. It's so bizarre. The, the opening, you know. So yeah, that was actually a seventies um, TV show, cop TV show. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I remember. And it's it. the guy from Green Acres. That's Eddie Albert. He was the bad guy in that particular episode. Really, the cop that does that. Awful helicopter stunt. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's that's McClintock. I think it's McClintock. If I'm wrong, email us. Yeah, and be kind. <laughs> so that was weird. And oh, yeah. Was, I, remember, I thought that was fun. It's setting the tone, too, of what time frame you're in. Yeah, and I don't know if it was super successful at demonstrating the 70s. Because the music, obviously, is one part of it, and we'll get into that. I love the music. Yeah. but I was um, afraid you wouldn't because I didn't know if you liked Bad Company no, or Bad not. Company? Because that was one I never knew. It was just their greatest hits. That's just all they did. And how did they get the rights for all those um, songs? Well, I, I have a little info, actually. So the writer-director, um, he used all of Bad Company's um, songs because, quote, they were a surprisingly inexpensive catalog. But it's <laughs> So fit. they were cheap. It fit so perfectly. Yeah. It was like a dazed and confused... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It it worked well. I thought it worked well. But it didn't, this movie didn't scream 70s to me as much, and it didn't bother me. And maybe that's because it was an adaptation. You know what I mean? So they wanted to anchor it, but not too much. But then you get into a a pinnacle of the movie. You get into the restaurant, Duncan's, and you see uh, Pat, more tyranny's character, and the creepiest manager of all time? (laughs) Douglas. Well, as she'll call him later, McFuck. (laughs) (laughs) And almost all the characters that they name are Mick, have a Mick something, McKenny, Mick this, Mick that. I mean, there are plenty of of nods to the the original Shakespeare play with the names, but it's Duncan McFuck. Yeah. And he's he's making Pat fill ice cream cones, and he's telling her to spin and pump. Swirl and pump. Yeah, something really sexual. And so- let me just point out that she says, let's hope 13 is the charm. And I'm on to, I want to point out this is, this is our 13th episode. So let's hope 13 is the charm. This is episode 12, Todd. I've got 13. <laughs> we have a discrepancy. Oh. We need the corrections we... <laughs> office to contact us immediately. Engineer. I, I, in the theme for my last few podcasts is I'm very tired and I'm, very tired today. So I may have been wrong. Um, either way, I like your sentiment. Well, we'll go back and check. And- but what is the point of a manager <laughs> making you fill ice cream cones for their perfection that you may not consume? It seems wasteful. Your thoughts? Would you run a restaurant like that? That soft serve ice cream is so inexpensive. I mean, you're talking 
So you can pennies. just be fuck all with it? Yeah, just like, you whatever, can, you can dump just, it on the floor. It's just a big bag of slop that okay. they throw into the thing. <laughs> you know, it's like draft beer. Big bag of slop. It is. They make so much profit on that 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 doesn't even matter. Wow. All right, so uh, this is business talk with a little independent. Yeah. <laughs> Make yourself a high amount of profit on soft serve ice cream, yeah, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. I, I never owned a, an ice cream if store. You know, in post-COVID transition for your work, soft serve. And, and what's funny is Matt comes out and the creepy manager says, look at your wife's beautiful cones. Yeah. Mr. Macbeth, come out here and see your wife's cones. And then, and this is a theme in the movie, in the workplace, Mac is so thrilled with his wife that he just hard makes out with her. Like well, right in this manager's face. Because they, they do know this all the time. Yeah. It's so obvious he has a crush on her, so he just counteracts just it. Just in the middle of a restaurant. So you okay. Yeah. Todd. Yeah. Make out scene. You're you're a patron in a restaurant. Yeah. You see somebody woefully uh wasting ice cream, and we've just established it's cheap, so it doesn't matter. But you don't know that as a consumer. And you see a, a guy come out from the kitchen. And the manager say, "Look at your wife's cones," and then the employee starts hard making out with another employee. Right? Do you do you write a Yelp review on this? I say, "Welcome to the '70s, baby." Okay, let's say it was now. I oh, should have clarified. Well, this is a different, you know, everything from that's true. Sexual harassment. People to the were probably listener. off screen, like fucking on a table after they ate their burger. So you're probably right. Yeah, the the, the orgy of the staff. Yeah. Um, now, how? What's the transition to? To the family, to Duncan's family, and meeting Malcolm and Donald. Oh, let's see. Um, because I'm trying to remember how you're. Because well, you see Donald as a football the, player. They go to the football game. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, and and God, I love that. Damn this Coco. Damn this Coco. Oh, the Coco. The, the lady that you can see she's got a crush on. You know, Duncan King Duncan there, and. Uh, yeah, uh, the only thing he asked for is a cup of cocoa at yeah. the football game, and she's the cocoa the, machine the won't work. And she's just having a meltdown. Now, as of note, Malcolm is Smalls in the Sandlot. No way. Yeah, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing that's me. Him. That's him. That's him. Who I thought was tremendous in this. He may have more. Is it Maury or Morney? Morney? Maury? Moira? Moira Tierney? I don't know if I can say it that way. Moira. Word, 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 word. I might have Moira. to get a little buffalo. <laughs> little buffalo she was a liar, liar. <laughs> Moira. See, I call her Morny. That's not her name. One thousand percent, it's not her name. I can't say it All that right, way. We're gonna call her Morna. Mor- what did you say? Morny. <laughs> Morny Tiny. Morny Tiny Lister. I'm gonna call her Lady Macbeth. So what's interesting? Is is Malcolm and Donald uh, Duncan's sons could not be more different. One is a a, a musician hi- hippie burnout, and the other seemingly is a jock. You find out that's not the case, but he's well, he's sitting on the bench, and every every other football player's uniform is covered with dirt. His is bright white, yeah. So he clearly is the bench warmer, and we find out doesn't really like football that much. <laughs> no. But so no, he doesn't. Duncan thinks that they need to get to the restaurant. The boys have to come back, and Duncan's a hands-on guy. You know, I appreciate that about him. He's not hands-off owner. So what I think is funny is he brings his kids in. Donald is in his football uniform. And he's like, Malcolm, you get on the grill. Donald, you bust some tables, and he's yeah. in his fucking football uniform. <laughs> yeah, 
giant 70s shoulder pads and everything. Then I'm like, bussing tables in a fast food place? That's a pretty classy place. Well, it was uh, packed at that time, 5 o'clock. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, Now we meet Banco, who, um, you know, works uh, for the restaurant, played by Kevin Corrigan. And that's when Pat calls uh, uh, the manager, Douglas McFuck, and Banco says, yeah, this guy's stealing, which I'm like, of course he's stealing. Yeah. How about the argument between, this is where Morney, Lady Macbeth. (laughs) Pat. He's he's cringing at me. Pat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I remember Pat. I didn't think Moira would be a hurdle today, but it is. I can't get there. I've never- COVID shot. Oh my God. Never pronounced it that way. So that argument where she- because she is such a materialistic bitch in this movie that you just got to love her. I mean, so far to the right on that. And she's talking about, I'm going to be the, you know, what does she say? Well, the she, assistant? Has, she has aspirations, right? And and she thinks that Mac is passive and doesn't have any aspirations. Oh, she says, I have to say, have a nice day to every fucking customer. <laughs> she shouldn't be in the service industry, right, I think. Right. She's picked the wrong business. Oh. But Banco, it's like, ah, oh, the manager's stealing. So you 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 paint the picture of this villainous manager, which, of course, the guy's stealing. And that's when Pat and Mac are in the car. Mm-hmm. And she's saying he has no no inspiration. She, he, he has no, um, no gumption. And you find out that's kind of true because later about his ideas, he's not pushed his ideas out. Yeah, he's an, yeah, he's an idea guy, but... So when they leave the bar right after that, there's a sign on the bar. Did you pick that up? I caught it after I watched it a couple of times. When Mac and Banco were on the bar? Yeah, and it's pouring down rain, and Banco crawls in the back of the open pickup yeah. truck, and he throws a blanket on him and leaves him. Yeah. He's is, drunk out of his is mind. Is Banco homeless? And he le- they don't really stay up. I think you Andy never is. see him in a home. Yeah. So he's homeless. He lives in the back of a car. It's pouring down rain, and he, all he does is throw a blanket over him, and then he leaves, and this is where he runs into the hippies. But <laughs> I lost it. No, you're all right. What I thought was interesting is when Mac and Banco are hanging out in the bar, I like a guy who can go up to a jukebox. I've never seen this in real life. Go up to a jukebox, kick it, and influence the chorus of what it plays. Yeah, because a country song came on and we had to go to Bad Company. Just kick it with the back of his heel. <laughs> I, have you ever tried that? I'd love to go to a bar and try it. Just kick a jukebox as hard as I can. Yeah, do the Fonzie. See what happens. Because they're all probably digital now. There's a record in there before. It's not going to skip uh, and turn well, into something else. It's mid-70s. There's definitely a record in there. So Witch's Brew Tavern with T-A-V-E space N. So the R is falling off. Is the sign on the outside of the bar? Yeah. And in Macbeth, there, our girls are the three are called witches. Well, the witches. I again, um, I'm not going to gush on Amy Smart too much, but she is adorable in this and great in it. And it's oh, go ahead, gush. I, I mean, so she was in Road Trip right before this in 2000. Yeah. And Any, that's anything you want to add about first, Road Trip? And, nope. How old were you when you watched it? Doesn't matter. But this was (laughs) five years before 
She was in Crank, arguably one of the best movies ever made, and shows how fucking fearless she is. Yeah. And I know you're you don't like those movies very much, but I mean, she is. Well, she made me stand up and cheer and crank. She is fearless, and but she is so she's great in this. And just, I, I use the word adorable, but when she's, you know, kind of doing the prophecy to Mac when it's changing from his voice to hers uh-huh. on that weird carousel thing, it's a pretty effective scene and kind of made me nauseous. And they're doing this weird like samba like. The, the music dump. The music was really fun. And it's like got the accordion, so it sounds French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. French cafe, samba, weird. Coupled with the weird abandoned yeah. amusement park was really effective. Yeah. And my favorite part was her picking up the Magic 8-Ball, which I used to have as a kid in so the 70s. So she kept on shaking it and breathing on it. Yeah. We had, did you know what that? You know what those are, right? You oh, turn yeah. it upside down. It's like you will see a dick pic or, I don't know, other we, weird things. We should do that with for movies like that. Create a movie, Magic Eight Ball. Yeah. See, I'm just I'm the idea guy, but I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't have the gumption. I need Morney. Yeah, you do. <laughs> to carry it you up. You need a Morney in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Call I up need a Morn- Pat. Morney Tiny. Lady Macbeth. So, he gets a, and and that's the thing about the difference between Macbeth and this. Macbeth, the the three prophecies are so clear, and he yeah. has so much to worry about. This. It doesn't come across that much, and he doesn't seem that affected by it. He's like, oh, that was weird, and well, then he leaves. She's reading his future, so she's dropping stuff that he's going to use later on. Yeah. you know, But it's not so shoved it's, down your throat, necessarily. No. It's kind of subtle. And in one of the interviews, Pat states that uh, she— Right, Pat? Yeah, she has a lot more of a role than in Macbeth, because Lady, Lady Macbeth doesn't have a, yeah. have a lot, and— so it turns out her husband, you know, beefed up the role for her. Oh, well, that's nice. Well, yeah. It didn't work out long term. The marriage isn't still... Five years from, from yeah. then, they were done. Yeah. What I love is when they go into Malcolm and Donald's room. And again, they show how different they are. But Donald is listening to Liza Minnelli. <laughs> is that Liza Minnelli singing? <laughs> yeah. They show the album cover. Well, they showed the poster on the wall yeah, for Cabaret. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Joe what... Namath was first, which led from the football. Yeah, yeah. But that's what he's listening to. He's listening to Liza Minnelli because uh, Jess called it out. Like, he's uh, like, that's, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. Liza Minnelli. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> and then they cut to to Mac and Pat's house, and the only thing I can say is, "What's with the stuffed wolf?" Oh, another stuffed wolf. There's stuffed animals. There's stuffed heads and what well, all we know, throughout. We find out later he goes hunting. Yeah, and maybe that's the tie-in, but I I, I thought there maybe was a, a Macbeth tie-in. Yeah. A wolf in Pennsylvania in the foreground, a full stuffed wolf in their trailer. Not, not what he pets at the bar not later on. Okay, no, it's that's in a their bedroom. Cat. It's in their bedroom. Oh, I missed that. I just wrote down stuffed wolf. Well, um, we've talked about wolves appearing in, in our uh, the horror films, in the past. True. I don't know if we can attribute any the, kind of the head on the wall, the making out with the wolf, and what was that cabin? <laughs> cabin in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Nobody makes out with the wolf in this movie. So <laughs> what happens next? Like, like the manager, right? Is is uh, is screwed. He's he's caught, right? Isn't the manager get busted? Yeah. Well, we were back at their house, right? Yeah. So they have a brief conversation at the house. Um, and and it's more kind of conspiratorial, you know. You need to have more, um, more drive. 
But the next kind of major scene is the manager is busted for stealing. Yeah. And he's kicked out of the restaurant. And I forget what he says, but Pat walks him out and he says something about like, I knew you liked me more than I thought or whatever. And she's like, you've never been so wrong about anything. Yeah. You're the only one that ever listened to me or something like that. Yeah. And, and I, she I delivers can't it I've never so... heard anything so <laughs> wrong. And then you are one dumb fuck. The manager tries to kiss her on yeah. the way out. You are one dumb fuck, Douglas. Jesus. And then slams the door in his face. Yeah. <laughs> so my takeaway from in general is Norm, the restaurant owner, doesn't seem like a bad guy. He's not a terrible boss. He cares about his restaurant. He wants his sons involved. Yeah. Who clearly want nothing to do with it. No, they both got their own path. Right. You know, Malcolm's a musician and um, Donald, well, you know. Donald wants to be in the choir. He, he's he's doing something different. <laughs> and he, he doesn't like football. But when he likes Liza Minnelli. Norm is with Pat and Mac and they're doing their little brainstorming session, Norm recognizes Mac's idea for the French fry truck. And then... Um, Pat says, and what about the chicken pieces and dipping sauce? <laughs> I was like, yeah, and he calls her, I'm here to make a profit, little lady. And she just gets. So I was pissed. curious about chicken nuggets. Yeah. Now, do you think chicken nuggets weren't invented by then? Joe made it up. No, they were invented in the 1950s by a food science professor at Cornell University. Well, when did McDonald's start doing it? After that. Chicken nuggets were uh, were created as like a post World War II way to preserve. He created a way to freeze chicken and make it smaller so it could be reheated. Right, but so you're saying McDonald's was doing chicken nuggets well before the movie started? Yes, in the seventies, probably. Uh-huh. I thought you know chicken nuggets maybe were m- made up in the seventies, but they were invented in the nineteen fifties. I forget the science professor's name, but Cornell University. Thank right. you for chicken nuggets. And, and he was a food science professor in the 1950s. What a cool fucking job. Can you imagine? <laughs> like making rehydrated stuff and, and astronaut food. And I probably sound really, really ignorant right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go with you on this, but I got nothing. That's fine. Story of my life. <laughs> it sounds really exciting, Ryan. So this is when <clears throat> um, they talk about the idea for the drive through drive through and which is interesting because you know duncan i think the first drive through was in an outburger yeah. in the 1950s so yeah. it wasn't a new concept well the the happy couple they're all excited because they think they're going to get that he's going to get promoted to manager because douglas mcfuck just got thrown out yeah and they think this is it for them he's going to be the manager of the place and that's not the case. Yeah. Oh, and the scene the scene with the chairs and the car, you know, the drive through and he's doing that thing with his hand trying yeah. to get him to switch places. Yeah. Oh, it lasts so hard. At that. He's trying to scene. get them to envision what it's like to drive through and order their food. But Mac has the idea, you don't have to do a kiosk, you can do an intercom. And he got that from Amy. And that scene is so intense. He is so yeah. intense. You got an intercom. It's more efficient. You don't need it. And again, I think that's James Legro doing like an actor's choice, and it's freaking fantastic. Yeah. 
because yeah. he thinks that there's an end goal in mind. Yeah. And what I think is really funny, which anchored this in the 70s, is they're kind of celebrating. And again, you think they're celebrating Max, celebrating Max uh, promotion. And Norm asked them to get the Reuniti in the fridge. <laughs> Do you, okay, you remember that? Oh, yeah. Reuniti on ice. What was that? Asti Spumante. I, okay, is there a difference? I don't know. I didn't know. look this up, but I, I remember know. Reuniti in commercials. Yeah. And are they connected? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think Rionita is like an Italian cheap wine, maybe. Yeah, and this, and then and they it's use, a red wine that you chill. And later they use that Italian spaghettios, spaghetti commercial. Yeah, Anthony, yeah, yeah. Which I remember from when I was a kid. I remember that commercial. Right, right, right. So we find out that Mac is assistant manager, and Malcolm has been made manager. A high school kid doesn't give yeah. a shit about this restaurant. No, he's. And how he lays it on him is Malcolm's going to need all the help he can get. And then they realize, oh, fuck. They're making Malcolm the manager. How is it possible that Malcolm can be the manager of a restaurant when he goes to high school? Or does he go to high school? It's it's following Macbeth because I saw that his eldest son was to take the crown when Macbeth So was Malcolm out of high school? Because he's clearly like touring with his band and strip clubs in Atlantic City. Yeah, he may have graduated because the brother... But says, Malcolm looks like he's 11. Yeah. <laughs> this water tastes like ass. <laughs> he does say that. But he looks 11. You think so? Yes. With hair like he that? He looked off-puttingly young. Like, like Not off-puttingly, like bad but news shockingly bears. young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Harley Davidson? Yeah. yeah. Does that turn you on? <laughs> what, I, what I loved, and at this point I'm trying to find the Macbeth and all the characters... Yeah. And well, Malcolm's the eldest son, so he gets he's in line for the throne. Yeah. And, and that made sense. I'm like, oh, that's really neat. And when Mac and Pam are in the car, when Andy shows up, I didn't know who he was going to be, and I figured he may be the Patsy. But he startles them, and Pat goes, fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck. <laughs> I laugh so hard at every time at that. And do you know why that was in the script? Because oh, that was actually written that way. Yeah, because Moira Tierney once yelled that at the director of the movie when he startled her, and he remembered it and he put it in the script, which was her husband. Correct. Yeah, at the time, and she she delivers it like I really believed she was scared. It's funny. It is hilarious. It's funny. She does it twice. She does it again later on, but yeah. uses different language. Now we go to I think the saddest scene in the movie. Really, is Banco's birthday. No, the, par- the party at the bar? Yeah, Banco's birthday. The Yahtzee birthday. Well, he, he doesn't even know what's happening. He is so lit. <laughs> he's basically no, he's excited playing Yahtzee. He's like, I hope I get if I get Yahtzee again. Because Yahtzee is not a game that you can play, I don't think, drunk. Can you play Yahtzee drunk? Well, he, he predicts his own Yahtzees, according to him. He just thinks yeah. Yahtzee and then... But Yahtzee's like the dice version of poker, and you gotta, you know, kind of have your wits about you. <laughs> you gotta keep score. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta know what you're gonna take. But my favorite part about that is Pam, the nurse, showing up to a bar in the middle of her double shift. Yeah, a uh, bar. Um, probably drinking a few yeah. shots. Again, and then welcome going to back. the '70s. <laughs> yeah, you could do all that. That's true. And it wouldn't even get fired for it. But she was lovely. That actress was yeah. just so nice. Didn't look like she was in their group. I don't know how she connected to them. Yeah, yeah. when she did that laugh about, no, I just 
show up in this uniform. This yeah. is my Yahtzee uniform and broke out in that laugh. Oh, yeah. It was it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and now we go back to the restaurant, and I think they need to show you that Malcolm doesn't want to work at this restaurant because when the guy asks for more ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> who did the, So who did that guy remind you of? I actually had to look it up because I thought it was him for, for oh. one hot minute. Uh, Jeffrey Combs? Jeff Goldblum. Oh, no. The, it sounded just like him, really tall, and I'm like, oh, my God, is uh, it? Is uh, it? Is can it? I, can I get more uh, ketchup? Yeah. No, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got it, behind there? King Kong? <laughs> well, the guy has for more ketchup, and Malcolm takes a ketchup bottle, yeah. squirts it in his fry bag, and throws him out. It, <laughs> grabs him and... <laughs> Manhandles them out like, the literally door. Literally throws them out. Seventies. Yeah. yeah, you can do that shit back then. Yeah, well, try to do it. that now. Can you imagine? There'd be lawsuits. They'd be on YouTube. Well, and they did it earlier with the food fight in the very beginning of the movie too. They threw he threw those two guys yeah, right out the, the door. Slow motion jump over the counter scene. Well, what's what's really starting? You know, the movie may sound slow as we're describing it at this point, and it doesn't feel that way. But now it's to the point where. They're going to kill Norm because when they're celebrating and he's trying to get Max trying to get the reuniti out of the refrigerator, he opens the refrigerator door too hard and hits Norm on the head and they think he's dead. Yeah. And I think the thought of it was pleasant to them. It definitely was to Pat. So now they're like, we're going to kill Norm. So they go to the restaurant at night to kill Norm. He's like, we have to do it tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, that's when they, they're in the car discussing this when she does the fuckity fuck because the homeless guy shows up in the window. Yeah. Yeah, and scares scares her. And yeah. this is what's funny. They go to kill Norm, and Norm, did you see the knot on his head? From- oh, yeah. And, he, and they carried it over. Didn't that look real? It looked horrifying. It didn't look real. It, it looked the comically. Brown, the brown bump like a, like a, like a atomic hick. Yeah. Tick. Hick. And so... <laughs> Mac has a frying pan in his hand. <laughs> yeah, so they set up their alibi at the Yahtzee party. Yeah, but they Him made the mistake sick. of leaving early. Well, that was the whole, they were, you know, he was so drunk. Not he a good he alibi. Remember. Not a good alibi. But he hits Norm on the head with the frying pan. Now, you're Mac. Is this the preferred method of killing this guy? Is this right? Because you're you're a you're a karate man. You're, Ma- you're a, Max you're a... not all in. Well, that steel that thing was a heavy duty. But he hits him real weak because it doesn't do the job the first or second time. <laughs> and I'm glad you're here. Somebody hit me on the head. <laughs> yeah, Mac hits him. Yeah, and he kind of goes out a little bit, and then he turns around and he's like, "Thank God, somebody just hit me on the head." Yeah, and she's and then you know, wonderful Pat, there he is right behind you again. Norm's a good guy. He he's not a bad guy. No, but you know his, his mistake was. I'm going to be rolling in it with the drive-through well, idea. Okay, he's a business promoting. owner. He wants to make money. Yeah, you know he wants to provide for his shitty kids who don't like him and and hate right. his job. He didn't know Lady Macbeth was uh, queen. Kill so all. they realize that they need the safe combo. That and I don't know why they would think that there's money in the safe. Did they indicate why? They wanted to make it look like a robbery, the murder. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, lo and behold, when they get the safe open, you know, they hit the jackpot. So they they tie off they tie up Norm, <laughs> and 
and hands, this hands behind his back. This this is teed up very well because he's tied up, I think, clearly in front of the French fry oil. Yeah, which is the grossest. <laughs> oh. And <laughs> and they cut. Is the restaurant still open? No. Because why? When did they cut to the creepy friend, the tanning salon guy? That's is that's that later on. That's when uh, McDuff is there. Okay. So they have Norm. He's tied behind, hands tied behind his back. Yeah. And he's not going to give him the combo. And Lady Macbeth is, you see, he, he Pat's having a hard time. Not Pat. Joe Macbeth is having a hard time going through with this. And Lady Macbeth is just egging him on the whole way. Yeah. And uh, she's, because he doesn't want to talk to him. Right. He, no, he, he kept he's like, saying, I don't know I don't if talk I can do him. this. And then he's inchworming escaping away and so mac kind of finally gets intense and norm tells him the combo for the safe they open the safe yeah she opens the safe and uh you know i don't know what she says jackpot or something she's clearly clearly excited and then he sees the three witches you know the three ghosts what are we calling them hippies hippie witches and then he screams out loud and there goes poor norm face (laughs) first into the boiling hot Oh boy, uh, Fryer! You know, not since Nicholas Cage's death in Deadfall was I so thrilled oh, with, the, a, with a Fryer death. The sound, maybe that's where the ADR came. <laughs> that and sound it, of that was. So... There's one in a Friday Thirteenth movie as well, but this oh. is played for comedy, and it's uh-huh. it's sadly funny. And and his hands are twitching, and then they yeah. just stop. And and they they both don't react. They, I mean. Okay. Well, she gets excited and starts. So you go into a fryer. If somebody pulls you out quick, are you okay? I don't think so. You die that, immediately. That, that, that is so hot that it's gonna fry it your boil your brain. Fry your It'll larynx. Boil your, your brain will explode. Your eyes, everything. Yeah. Um. So Norm is dead under mysterious yeah. circumstances. And he's just laying. They just leave him laying in it. Face face down in the fryer. And they think it's a robbery, which, you know, so at this point, the crime, you know, they, they get away. They, they speed off. and yeah. Well, they first they go down to the basement. Oh, they go down Lady Macbeth does the whole drive-through. She wants to have sex after this. She's so turned on. And he's freaked out. Oh, she wraps herself And then Malcolm's up. there knocking on the door. Malcolm shows up, yeah. Yeah. and they, Saying he's sorry to his father. Because, yeah, he leaves band practice yeah. early. So that yeah. sets all that that's coming up. So... A thing that I've always been curious about is the funeral after party. Because I know it has to happen, but why is that a thing? Why do we do that? It's a celebration of life. Well, it, just like I, we're a celebration I, of independent I, film. Yes. That is, what, way to be on brand. Tyler. I, you know, just look out. Oh. <laughs> but it strikes me as I, I don't want that for my death. I don't want there to be an awkward party at my house. Where people are eating shitty appetizers and going, he was such a good guy. I don't. I, it's a weird custom. And and what I think is hysterical is they go to the house and there's that woman crying hysterically, like into all the food. Yeah, the one that damn the cocoa. Yeah, 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 that's her. <laughs> that's her. Because she's she, sobbing. Because she lost her hubby into her. the table full of food. Is that his wife? No, that's the woman that was. In, she wanted to be his wife. Oh. So she's, at one point when Malcolm and – so Malcolm and his her, his dad are always arguing. Yeah. And she says, that young man is just crying out for a new mama. Yeah. 
and she, this woman is just hysterically crying into the food and then it, th- this whole time I'm like, where's Christopher Walken? Where's Christopher Walken? And now he shows up. Yeah. Well, Lady Lady Macbeth is all pissed off because nobody's looking at her, and she deserves a fucking Oscar for this role that she's playing for the performance that she's doing. Not or, or and sounding she, unconvincingly sad that he's dead. She's telling Mac to get rid of him, get rid of her, so that they'll look at her. So Walken shows up and at a funeral. This is interesting. Because he is a small town sheriff, right? He's a detective that was sent in from out of town. I don't think so, because he and Ed work together. Right. But Ed, he's, no, I want he, to talk about Ed for three hours, well, this guy. No, he, he, he does state it. He, when he comes in, he says, they brought me in because, you know, this, this sheriff department, this small town is not equipped to, to investigate okay. a murder. Okay. He says they're a one bullet. You know, two two shares, one bullet. So that contradicts something. something later. But he he introduces himself to Mac and Pam, and he says, "My cards are on the table next to his wife's baba ganoush." So why does his <laughs> wife bring food to this funeral? His wife wasn't even there. I know that. We never. Why did her. he bring food to this funeral? Well, they it's a all serious did. question I have for you. Why did this detective, who's from out of town, bring baba ganoush? Because he has to explain what it is. How many detectives show up at a funeral when they're investigating the case and leave their cards on the table? Is that just protocol? If you're going to do this, you have to bring food? Pure comedy. Well, this was a potluck, apparently. I know, but he didn't have to bring (laughs) shit. He He didn't have to bring food. And and we had to find out what a baba ganoush is. I I got hungry for that during this moment, actually. (laughs) So Burger King is so Walken is is investigating, and at this point, Andy, the homeless guy, is fingered for this murder, which makes a lot of sense, and that parallels to Macbeth. Yeah, and we find out Pat dumped all the jewelry from the robbery on top of the the homeless guy, and that's the reason why that he was he was fingered for this murder because, um, Duncan's murder or jewelry is on him, and then we have what I think is kind of an interesting development is the they're clear of this now they can take over the restaurant oh yeah and you have the success montage yeah which that's is, what i call it yep and i i wrote i just wrote montage but the uh what's it's the success montage it, it, it was the, the building it of Macbeth. so they oh. turn the restaurant into Macbeths. they do the drive-through the the French fry truck is made. I assume chicken nuggets are happening with dipping sauce. The and whole I, nine yards. I love how they cut to them in a pool, and then they pull back on a wider shot, and it's yeah. an above ground pool. Yeah, just a little one. And again, no judgment, anybody. Sorry, I'm not trying to say that's <laughs> low class, but come on, in ground. If you got the dough, in ground. Yeah, and she just got through saying, "I I I hate low class at a funeral." Yeah, <laughs> and then she's laying in the in the. Yeah, a little above-ground pool. And it turns out now Macduff, Watkins' character, is really investigating this thing. Well, the DA threw out the case. And they find that Andy is released. Mm-hmm. Um, for Did they say lack of motive or what? Yeah, lack, just lack of evidence. All they had was the jewelry. Just the jewelry. Yeah. They had no confession. They had couldn't place him at the crime scene. And what what turns out, and and you're you're led to believe this, is Malcolm becomes the prime suspect. Yeah, because of how mean he was to his dad. Because they were always arguing. And then his dad. And then he was seen speeding away. Yeah, and and they're set. They have inherited 
a, in his word, a shit ton of money. Right. So there's motive. Yeah, it all it all looks good, you know, to be to be him at that point. Yeah. And but he this is where when he comes back, he he interviews everybody. Yeah. And there's so many one liners, but my favorite and, and I don't know why, but my favorite one is when Walken goes, French fry truck? French fry truck? And he's doing that shake with his fist. I don't know why, but that just gets me. Because Christopher Walken is awesome. <laughs> he's fucking awesome. <laughs> and at this point, Banco starts to get suspicious. And this is the scene you were talking about where um, he confronts Mac and says, you never mentioned the drive-thru. Yeah, you told me about all your other ideas. All the other ideas, but this one you never told me about. And then he gives him the long death look. Yeah. And that's when Mac says to Pam, Banco's a problem. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, from Macbeth, if you he, know the story, yeah. this is a clear, linear. Or, well, he kills, I'm to be smart. He but kills I, his whole family. Yeah, that's true. Macbeth, I just saw it today for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap. And- so you're thinking, okay, well, if you know Macbeth, Banco's dead, uh, but how is it going to happen? Yeah. You don't know for a little bit, but this is when Macduff goes to meet Malcolm in Atlantic City, where he's playing at a strip club. Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, I'll just point out that- He's playing a sweet bass, those, by the way. Did you like that bass guitar? It looked like an old Gibson. Yeah. It was like an Explorer body. Yeah. I forget the name and of that guitar. clearly- It's expensive. He has never touched a bass- in his life. Oh, you did. You did it. I wasn't hard on the kid. Oh my god, it was awful. I knew. Now it. the guy singing and playing guitar, he was he was really doing it, you know, but but he I mean, he's doing half-step chord changes like in the middle of the measure and 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 the song is a bad company song with this beautiful bass line. He could have took the time to at least mimic it for Christ's sake. He's 12 years old. <laughs> with long hair. He didn't have time. <laughs> there are limits on how long they can work. They've got to be it's an, tutored. It's an independent film. That's right. They didn't have the fucking money for it. All right. Well, we're both bass players. I, we, we no, 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 no. You're a bass player. I'm a, a person who tries to play bass. No, but I on. get it. I, I look at that in movies too, and like, uh, they're not playing. Yeah. I, I didn't give this kid a hard time because up to this point, I really loved his performance. Oh yeah. Like throughout, I loved it. I think uh, yeah. he was so good. He is. He and it's a tough. Is. It's a tough role to play because he's. He's got to be unlikable, but he's not unlikable. Yeah. And you see, I mean, had, again, but his dad well, you isn't empath- real shitty. He just tells him, you know, cut your hair, wear a hairnet. He's not a terrible dad. They're just, it's the generational father-son thing, you yeah. know? He wants to rock. And this is when Malcolm um, shares with McDuff that he also saw the Macbeth driving away from the restaurant really fast. Yes, he says, let's have a conversation that makes you not guilty. Yeah, right after. <laughs> yeah and that's a great line. Yeah. That's a really great line, because I don't think he believes he did it. Right. That's the only reason you would say that. Because how how would a nine-year-old boy yeah. tie his father up? I thought he was 12. He's nine. How would he <laughs> tie his father up, physically force him into a fryer to his yeah. death? So God, I wish I was playing bass at nine years old in a strip club. I know. Those uh, those would have been the days. You didn't the fucking seventies. I figured you did. I played a few bachelor parties that made up for it, but oh, oh yeah, stuff we can't talk about on a All right. unless it's an MA twenty five <laughs> film. 
So I think this is when we are introduced <laughs> to Deputy Ed, who yeah, is the local. Right. What yeah. is... So fast forward three hours because Ryan's gonna. We're gonna get into a three-hour conversation about Ed. <laughs> Ed, he's is he the local just police officer? Yeah, Shit. there's he's not two. The sheriff. There's two. There's two. Two cops in this whatever this town is. I mean, if it if the city's not big enough to have their own police department, then it's going to be the county sheriff. Right. So he did say there were two of them. So it's just some little urban town that, you know, in Pennsylvania that just has two cops that cover it. I mean, close to us, just like not Traverse City proper, but take one of our little satellite towns, you know? Hey, this is where we're from, Traverse City. Yeah. We're, Hopefully we're, we're yeah. being heard worldwide, but uh, check and us Ms. out in Traverse Ms. City. Smart does frequent our town. Yes, she does. Deputy Ed, though. I don't know if there's a parallel of him in Macbeth because Deputy Ed, I believe, is is developing developmentally disabled. <laughs> he loves McClinton. Is that OK to say? Because he seems like there's something not right about him. He should not be in law, law enforcement. He's not fast. He's not <laughs> sharp. Um, but he's helping the case. And it's clear that McDuff is focusing on the Macbeths at this point. Because logically, it's not Malcolm. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense. Right. And, and there's circumstantial evidence to put the Macbeths in this. They left the party early. Yep. And, and this is where the Macbeths have their downturn, where yeah. they, they, start, they start winging out and going off on their, their own. So Pat is obsessed with the burn on her hand. So that, I, that's so funny. I wrote, Pat's hand burn is still there. Yeah. And it's not, it, you know, they're, it's what the tragedy is, you know, they're losing it over what they've done. Well, this is where it, their, their descent into madness. Exactly. Was totally paralleled and was done ahead. Did it remind you of anything? This is an obscure thing to ask you. I'm sorry. Mm. It reminded me of Ray Liotta and Lauren Bracco's descent in Goodfellas. Oh, they had the success montage. They got into cocaine they started to lose it. Then he got paranoid that there's yeah. a helicopter. I'm like, holy shit. Scarface even, maybe. This is like, you know, their eyes are red. They look insane. Uh-huh. Um, but I started to love Pat's hand burn. And this is when I'm like, oh, Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. Uh-huh. Blood on the hands. That's when I really like the parallels to Macbeth. But I, yeah. I, I do, my clip has something to do with, with Pat. But um, at this point... Uh, Mac goes hunting. Yeah, he's Banco's a problem. He's taking him hunting. Like, oh no, he's gonna shoot him in a hunting accident. Yeah, and she's trying to get him to tell him, tell her what he's doing, so that she can be in on it or control. Yeah, you know the outcome because he's clearly going bye bye. He's he he's losing it. And and again, James Legro is doing a really yeah. good job. Silent but deadly. He's got crazy intense eyes. Yeah, they never blinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like in um Jake Gyllenhaal in Night Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, oh. he intentionally never blinked like yeah. a coyote. Which was a cool but maybe James Legro did this first. Two thousand one. Because he's really, really intense. Nightcrawler was after that. He yeah. does not kill Banco hunting because he doesn't get the opportunity. No, but <laughs> 
Our two hippies go by in a deer, Oddly, out, in yeah. a deer outfit and prevent it. <laughs> the hippie witches. Yeah, the, the two guys. in a deer outfit. And he's like, why do I have to be in the back? Because you said you like it in the back. you said you like it in the back. Okay, we're lowbrow on a little independent at this point. We just uh, scraped the gutter. We are just quoting the movie. We scraped the gutter. We, we didn't write this stuff. It's funny. But, so Andy ends up dead. Who kills Andy? Does Matt kill Andy? Uh, yeah, he goes to the... Uh, he goes there and wakes him up with his, he's like, hey, is that your gun? And he says, I'm here to, for the truck at three in the morning. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And to then pick he, up the French fry truck, that's messed up. Um, and then he goes banco at the garage. Wh- and you when they go back does. the next morning. So you assume that he does. After they come back from the hunting trip, yeah. And so Mac has just killed two people who are loose ends, would you say? Yeah, well, they... They do the whole hunting trip. Then they come back. They got the deer. They do the the scene where Lady Macbeth cooks the dinner, and is yeah. just going off on all those guys. Yeah. So did and he's they, like, when so he says, "I could use a little head" or something like that. They killed the deer. Drops the. They she, killed the deer. Yeah. Cleaned it. She cooked it. Same day. Yeah. A little bit of a stretch. They, they really well. You can do that, but you know, if you just cut out the back straps or whatever, it's but not recommended. They are going to get botulism. <laughs> no. <laughs> diarrhea at the least don't do this everybody but the big the big thing that's happening is mac and pam are having a party at the restaurant what is the reason for the party i only watched it once so i didn't catch that what what are they that's not an opening what do they do what's the party it's a, it's the celebration of the the drive-through is that what the it drive-through is? restaurant they're doing a press release, so they're opening the drive-through for the for the first time. That well, makes it's sense. already they're doing a press release about the drive-through. I think she says, "Is that what you're referring I don't to?" Remember. That scene where he does the speech. Well, he totally fails and at he the says, speech. He's I freaking call out. out of bed. You do it. Press conference. The walking. No. <laughs> what I noted, what was weird, is as they were setting up for the party, three guys were hauling in the Statue of Liberty, and somebody says, "Put that bitch in the corner." Yeah. I laughed what out loud. the hell is that? <laughs> There's so many great one-liners She's in this. clearly a real tool, that Statue of Liberty. But, yeah, so they freak out at the press conference. But I didn't know what that was from because another parallel to Macbeth was Mac has a hallucination of Banco. Yeah, so he had just killed Banco after after the hunting. They got him really drunk. And then they go to pick up the truck. He yeah. shoots him and then leaves Andy's gun there, like Andy had shot him, and then Andy so they disappears. Yeah. So he's teeing it up that Banco did it. So they're pretty good criminals. He he did a good job of that, but she doesn't know what he's doing, and she doesn't yeah. care. He doesn't care what she's doing. They and, need to be on the same page. Well, they're losing it. And they then are. comes the, the motherfucker scene. The motherfucker scene? Yeah, so they're sitting in the booth, not side by side, not talking to each other. He is stone-faced, not blinking, not moving. She's smoking her cigarette, and then Robert knocks on the window and says, they're ready, and she jumps, motherfucker, does another startle scene. And if you don't spit out your food or laugh out loud at this, and he doesn't move, he doesn't blink, he doesn't twitch, yeah. and she's screaming, you know, when that happens. It is so funny. <laughs> Moira Tierney's responses are deserve an Oscar nomination in this movie. <laughs> Her startles. So 
they they go back to their garage, and I just noted this because it's funny. They're kind of wrapping up the bodies because it's a murder scene, and the one friend of ours uh, of theirs, <laughs> they keep on asking about their kids. Yeah, that's the mechanic. It's like they're little fuckers, and <laughs> little he asks fuckers, about Pat. the kids. They're little fuckers, and then they show one of the bodies going by, and the kids yeah. are pounding That's on the Banco. <laughs> the kids are beating on Banco, and then he's got to run after them. <laughs> little fuckers, Pat. Holy Christ. Yeah. So Mac and Pat are falling apart, and, and I've got my recording. It's not a long one, but it is when I realized the hand thing, because <laughs> Moira Tierney's character still feels like she's got the burn on her hand yes. from the oil from the night that Duncan died. Yeah, and it's getting more and more intense. He's She puts her hand in ice, she's running under cold water, and there's nothing there. And it, again, it late in the movie, it occurred to me, the parallels to Macbeth, yeah. which I thought were brilliant. So yeah, really well this written. is her going into the pharmacy. The uh, first time? To try to get some ointment. got and she got the vat of ointment but so line wise there was so much in this movie uh-huh. there were so many cool and things the, but i think her unhinged at that point was really that was a powerful yeah like we, it was her she'd been so measured the whole movie she had really even keel calculated which is great but this is when I realized they're both fucking off the rails. Oh, yeah. And there's no turning back from this. Nope. It's good. And knowing it's, what happens in Macbeth, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. This is not going well. It's going to end bloody. Yeah. that uh, And that was actually the second time she had gone into the pharmacist. Yeah. Yeah. And she at this point, she's wearing an oven mitt on her left hand at all times. <laughs> yeah, because she can't stand to look at it. Yeah. And- yeah, when you see it before that, there there's literally no burn. It's yeah, it's a clean hand. There's yeah. nothing there. And it it took me late in the movie to realize like, oh shit, this is what's going on. She's hallucinating the burn, which wasn't a, a significant burn in the first place. No, it was about maybe the size of a dime, yeah. a nickel maybe. So just like in Macbeth, at this point, Mac goes to the witches again to yeah, confirm the, what's going on the, he, to find it, figure out what to do. Yeah, and so at this point. They're at the restaurant, Mac and Pat, but Ed checks out the restaurant. Do you know why did, did McDuff ask Ed to check out whether they were at the restaurant? What kind of prompts the final scene of this movie? Well, there's that whole thing where he's trying to get a hold of Banco. Um, but that was... He's it, dead. That was before this then. Yeah, Ed goes to the about. restaurant, and I think maybe McDuff says, go see if they're there. And that's when... 
Oh no, he he just got off work. Was all. Oh, he was going like, to eat. He's going to eat. Yeah, do you want, he's in the drive-thru, and he's like, we're closed. Oh, yeah. And then, and he, then, then the light ball in. goes off, and he gets him to come inside That's right. and call Lieutenant and McDuff. And again, I wanted to see food so bad. I wanted to see. There was well, one scene where there was a cup of French fries. Do you remember yeah. getting a well, cup he, of fries with fries on the outside of the cup design? Yeah. I was, I'm getting hungry right now thinking about Let's it. Let's go to Cedar Point. They probably got him there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed sadly gets captured and this is when mac and pat suggest which again mirrors macbeth killing macduff's family which how did that sit with you like well, i think they meant it yeah they're that bad. was a little dark yeah you're like oh shit because they did mention he has a wife and two boys you know macduff earlier in the film when when uh, pat asked him about him so for a second there you're like oh shit yeah. You know, but then is they're it, like, is it too says, much for this movie? Do you no. think that is too much? Well, no, he like Andy Dick lightens it up when he says a thousand years ago, that would have worked. And then she, and, but Amy in her demonic voice is like, can you? And then just yeah. staring at him. The and witches like, kind of do diffuse that yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You're but right. then she's like, can you? And yeah. then that's when he goes for it. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. And then I just, I don't know what it is about this song, but when they started playing uh, Never Been to uh, Arizona, no, Never Been to Spain, yeah, Never Been to Spain, it worked so good. The lyrics really don't have anything to do with the no, scene. it didn't matter, though. It's perfect. It didn't matter. It, it just, I loved it. And this is when Ed is at gunpoint, and he's told to call McDuff to come to the restaurant, which is obviously for Mac and Pat to kill yeah. McDuff. Yeah. I think I think you'll be happy. Ed, I don't have time Ed, to be happy. Ed. What is happening with that? Does he live with his with people who are assisting him? What, he he, he how, lives with his parents. How he can't? This is not okay. If this is a law enforcement officer in my town, maybe I write a letter. I don't know. I don't have the time, but shit. Well, I guess I got the time to do this bullshit, but you know. It just seems weird. And this is where the movie kind of went into hyperspace for me because Mac is on the roof of of his restaurant. Oh, the the big showdown is is right here, but it's being it's being intercut with with um Lady Macbeth going through all the knives and putting a, a chopping block on her counter. Yeah, Lady Macbeth is at home. Yeah. And, and so these two scenes are being intercut with with a never been to Spain, which is pretty brilliant, I think. And it just works so well, yeah. Because there's a lot of tension, yeah. But in the roof conf- confrontation, I don't know how they got on the roof, but Macduff is he, he climbed up there on the M. He he did, yeah. And Mac has Ed's gun. <laughs> he has a tray of food. Where did that tray of food come from? Yeah, he he carried it up there because th- he's going to use it on the vegetarian. Saw, yeah, because, okay, we haven't discussed this. McDuff is a strict vegetarian. Baba Ganoush. And I didn't see the tray before. So when he oh. got on top of McDuff and shoved the food, I was yeah. like, where the fuck did that oh, come from? Oh, it's there when he first goes up okay. on the roof. Yeah. I'm stupid. I don't see things good. <laughs> but what I think is interesting is, is, is Mac tries to shoot McDuff with Ed's gun, which is empty. Yeah. 
But this is why I got confused. Because McDuff says, do you think I'd let Ed put bullets in his gun? Right. Which led me to believe that they worked together or McDuff well, they, worked there. They were working together on this case because he had to use them to try to get a hold of Banco when all that stuff was going yeah, on. Yeah, I guess that's true. But it's it's weird that, you know, like a, a an outside investigator would come into your town and you're the police officer and he's like, you can't, you can't have bullets in your gun. <laughs> Guys, take them out. You're going to hurt yourself. Not going to end well. It's uh, going to hurt. This this is why I watched this movie. This you know, is why I picked it just to just to hear that. You know, it's brilliant. It, it it seems kind of funny. If I was Ed, in my limited mental capacity, I'd be like, "Hey." Anyway, that doesn't happen. But now we have a really intense scene with Pam. I think. Pat. Pat. Sorry. Pam. This whole goddamn time. You said it a couple times, but there was a Pam. Wait, I've said Pam a couple times. You called Pat Pam a couple times, I think. Holy yeah. shit. But wasn't Pam the Yahtzee girl, maybe? Yes. Can I cut you Pam, some slack there? Pam was the... The um, the nurse. The nurse. Yeah. Very tired. <laughs> Pam was very tired because she was doing a double and drinking if in between If anybody has shifts. made it this far in the podcast, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to you, Todd. What? I, I prep as much as I can for oh. these, and I've fucking blown it. Oh, Ryan, you're so hard on yourself. Woo! Nobody caught that. All right. Well, now that we know that Mac's wife is Pat, <laughs> I think there's a pretty intense goddamn yeah. scene right now. Norm actually calls her Patsy once. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Earlier on in the movie. Well, I wa- see, I, I have more time than you, and I watched watched it like three times. <laughs> oh, well. So... Yeah, it I could get be, to pick it up could those argue little, that you're better at this podcast than the, I am. No, because, your organization skills are amazing. Well, your Christopher Walken is over the top. Oh, thanks. You're nice. Nobody's. Uh, we're gonna get to Ryan. Ryan's for, going into a slump. He's, how bad? He's going, <laughs> All right, I'm done. He's going down, folks. <laughs> so what Pat does is, and and it's it's filmed in such an interesting way because you don't know what she does necessarily, but you think mm-hmm. she's going to cut it because she settles on a meat cleaver. Yeah. When she, when she puts all those other knives back and then pulls out the big meat cleaver. And how do you misplace that? You know, it's, it was in the third drawer. It didn't it fit in, in the, the it didn't fit in the, what do they call the wood block that holds all the knives? That's what she was looking in before that. The, the knife block, the knife holder. I don't know what that's called. Yeah. That's, that sounds good. There's, you know, there are any culinary people who can uh, help us out on that. The woodblock full of knives. But Pat cuts her pant off. Yeah, and and this whole time, that song is building up. Yeah. And then they cut it off for these for the for the death scenes. Yeah. And you just have no music, and it just oh, it's brilliant. It's done really well. And McDuff and Mac end up back on the ground, and Mac ends up shoved onto the hood of his car. So Mac jumps off the roof because the gun is empty when he tries to shoot him. So he jumps off the roof, and his his car has a set of bullhorns on it, actual bullhorns. He gets his gun. A lot of Dukes of Hazard, a little Boss Hog. Oh action. yeah, a little homage. That's smaller. There. Same time. Same time frame. Mid seventies. That's true. And then uh, he gets uh, McDuff's gun off the hood of his car, and McDuff jumps off the roof. Landing on him, impaling him through the chest. Christopher Walken. 
what is he, 60 at this point? We're very believe, nimble, very we're thin, believe he vegetarian. jumps off a whole roof of a fast food restaurant. I'm surprised he didn't do a, a flip in the middle there. I meet. <laughs> and he dances a little bit before he shoves him down. He does a celebration dance afterwards. Hi. <laughs> and is is this is Max's death ironic? Is it tragic? Is it a letdown? What do you think? I thought it was perfect the way they did it with both deaths happening simultaneously. Because, you know, independent film budget saver, they just have uh, Lady Macbeth laying on the floor with the hand underneath her body. Yeah. The one that's supposed to be missing. And then they show the oven mitt on the top of the counter and then just have all this blood laying around it. So they didn't have to use any special effects or anything. Very effective. Well, uh, we miss Pat slash Pam. And I think that's a really (laughs) effective scene. Uh, it turns out McDuff turns the restaurant into a vegetarian place. And <laughs> the final scene is Christopher Walken standing there with a comically crazy chef hat. Eating a carrot. And a full carrot and a dog. And then... No a, cars, no business. A streaker shows up. Yeah. What is that about? He's called Mick Streaker in the credits. He's credited? <laughs> Yeah, it's the last credit. He's Mick called Streaker? Mick Streaker. I mean, dick out the whole thing. And Did, was and that he, for real? He is a f- pretty well-known writer director because he had a mask on. Mick Streaker. Mick Streaker. His name is. Oh Jesus. Mick Streaker is Richard Shepard. Look him up. He's credited at the very end. My guess, and I don't know, would be they had some kind of bet going on. Like, if you pull this movie off. Okay. Did Christopher Walken know that that was going to happen? He didn't react to it at all. He just looks down at the I dog think like he didn't what know. The fuck? And Christopher Walken is such a fucking pro. He was like, "Okay, he stays in character." I'm gonna eat this carrot. Yeah, and it does say McDuff's now, so he has bought the restaurant, yeah, turned it into a vegetarian place. And I noted uh, at the top of the credits, it said "movie dedicated to cast and crew." Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, it was all about uh, you know the performance and the people who made it happen. Yeah. The crew. All right. Well, we got through it. <laughs> um, post vaccine. This was post mega tired. This is super fun. This was a super fun movie to watch. It was definitely more darker than I remember. Um, but oh, now you... we'll go for some reviews. We're going to start with a bad one. Aw. Aw. How can they say anything bad about this I movie? I know. But. Um, Remember what I said about the director getting the bad company songs because their catalog was surprisingly inexpensive? Yes. Keep that in your mind. (laughs) Uh, This review uh, from IMDb, uh, it's titled, It's called 10 from 6. The name of Bad Company's greatest hits album is called 10 from 6. You could have just turned up this album and cut the sound of this movie. Most of the songs played in the movie were from this album. I guess oldsters during the 1970s were probably tired of all the period pieces made then about the 1930s and 1940s. That's how I feel about movies made about the 1970s. The characters in the movie looked like they were auditioning for Danny Terrio. <laughs> what? Of Dance Fever fame. Do you want to extrapolate on that? He was if, if one any of, of our listeners, Google Danny Terrio. Yeah. Um, you'll find a brilliant movie called bachelor party that he's in um but anyway the characters in the movie looked like they were auditioning for danny terrio 
Why is it that movies have to exaggerate the 1970s? The only good period piece I liked was Freaks and Geeks, which is a 90s. It's not a period piece. They cut that television show. It was exactly like things were in high school when I was there back in circa 1980. I was old enough to remember the 70s, and no small town was like this. It was totally youth-dominated, and there were no reactionaries talking about the hippies and about the inner city of Philly. That was more 70s than I remember as a kid. This movie was very dull and cheesy. At times, I was falling asleep. I don't know why an actor who was acting during the 70s appeared in this one. What? (laughs) Walken. I guess Christopher Walken. Yeah, deer hunter. He was probably trying to lend it some credibility. Walken didn't even show up until the second half. I guess the only true thing about the movie was the baby booners who were a spoiled lot. All the kids in the movie were spoiled brats. I don't know what they had against their father. <laughs> well, this guy's clearly got this guy's issues. got no issues at all. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, I, I've actually got two really brief positive uh, reviews. Okay. Both 10 out of 10. First one, comedic take on Macbeth, a Sundance hit. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. The funniest movie at Sundance, 2001, Scotland, PA, brought the house down. Moira Tierney. <laughs> well said. Is that cool? Moira Tierney and James LaGrosse, like a modern Morticia and Gomez Adams, can't keep their hands each other or anyone in the way of their fast food takeover biz. Not off Bit. each other. <laughs> Done in high 70s style with amazing detail, parentheses, roach clips, polyester, everything, muscle cars, and Pabst Blue Ribbon, and parentheses. The film is faithful to Shakespeare and to fans of over-the-top satire. Toss in Andy Dick as the leader of the witches, and you've got a crowd-pleasing, gut-busting, highbrow comedy. <laughs> Alrighty, then. Are you happy with that? I don't know if he was the leader of the... The hippie, uh, which yeah, is... he kind of was. It's just Andy Dick. It's, oh, I'm going to do this now. Dead deer. Let's do it. All right. And last one, 10 out of 10. It's titled Rock Block. This movie is dope. Probably my all-time favorite movie. That's it. Yeah. Well, we didn't mention the Rock Block, but I absolutely loved it when they did that because I remember the Rock Blocks when they would come on the radio and they'd play three in a row. It was friggin' awesome. Well, this may be somebody who is in your wheelhouse, man, because he titled it Rock Block. This movie is dope. Probably my all-time favorite movie. I would never say dope. Oh, you're missing out. I, it's just not a line I use. You're missing out. This was dope. It's the first time I've ever said it, it in my entire life. It sounds natural life. coming out of you. really yeah, does. Can you tell? Real, real sterile. <laughs> this is dope. That was dope, man. That was dope, comma, man. <laughs> Well, we're going to figure out which episode this is, uh, as we had some controversy on that. But is it twelve? Is it thirteen? I think it 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 may be thirteen. I you, think it's twelve. I don't know. I've never been to Spain. We'll get there. You've never been to Spain? No. How about Italy? Arizona? No, Oklahoma. Uh, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you for suggesting this movie. I think it was super fun to watch and to do. Hopefully, you liked listening to us talking about it and uh hey todd yes right we'll always have monty doro who are those guys who are those guys you'll love it it's just a little